I'm helping the environment. I'm doing something good. I'm actually making things better. I'm producing really good food that I really love to eat. And then I'm sharing that with other people and restaurants that are showcasing it. This is the sixth episode of The Producers in Launceston, a special podcast series celebrating the food, wine and people of this very special part of Tasmania. Anthony Ash and his wife Paula run pastured chickens for their eggs at Rosella Roost in Rosevale, 25 kilometres west of Launceston. They're quite new to farming, but they've plunged in, using their expertise in other fields of science and agriculture to get things rolling, with as much attention to regenerating the soil and giving their chickens a good life as to producing tasty eggs. Hi, my name's Anthony Ash. I am talking to you from Rosella Roost, which is a very small farm in Rosevale in northern Tasmania. So on the farm, we have a licence that we can um, have pastured lays and pastured broilers with also Japanese quail. Our farm is called Rosella Roost. The reason why we have called uh, the um, the farm that name is because we have a lot of beautiful um, eastern rosellas um, that uh, that um, nest in all the old uh, white gums on on the property. Um, so really beautiful bird, and that gave us um, um, the inspiration to call it Rosella Roost. Uh, we're in, we're in a pretty new farm. We've um, only been going for two and a half years. We've uh, moved. Into, onto the farm two days before lockdown. Um, so from pretty much from uh, uh, that point onwards, um, we um, have been running um, pastured, uh, pastured layers and pastured broilers with also Japanese quail. And I run this with um, my partner, uh, Paula. And um, since that time, since we've moved in, we've also had a baby. Uh, Her name's Isla, and she's um, about one and a half years old now as well. Rosella Roost is a tiny farm with big ambitions. What's the land like and what happened there previously? The history of the farm is previously to ours is that the the owners ran um, thoroughbred horses on here. So uh, the, the farm was called Mistyville. Um, because their their thoroughbred horse that had been in Group 1s in Melbourne and over in Japan was called Misty Weather. Um, So we're only a very small farm of only eight hectares where we're surrounded by um, other farms in the area that are more than 200 hectares. So we're quite a small pimple, should I say, compared to our neighbours that run uh, traditionally um, uh, cows and sheep, sheep grazing country. So we, we, our farm is very small um, and, yeah, we're, we're sort of just, just a little speck um, in Rosevale compared to all our neighbours. Anthony and Paula were engaged in aquaculture studies when they met. Anthony explains how they ended up farming chickens in Tasmania. We, we had been following um, regenerative farming for more than eight years now. Um, Paula and I both met at um, the Australian Maritime College here in Launceston. We were both mature age students. I was here following a passion um, for seafood uh, and Paula was doing a first year aquaculture as sort of a stepping stone to going into being a vet, um, getting some academic um, uh, uh, studies behind her belt to then do a harder course. 
And um, so, so literally from there, we want we have fallen in love with Tasmania um, during our studies, and we, like everyone else, wanted a, a little parcel of paradise down here as well, where we could be self sufficient, um, produce, have our own livestock, uh, eat off the land, and also make a make a profit on that. So, we we. While uh, post-academic studies, we, we, we went and worked down in Hobart using our degrees. Um, but during that time being in Hobart, uh, we were still always consistently looking um, for, for a little uh, parcel of land. So um, in, in that area, it needed to tick a lot of boxes. Uh, um, um, we had a, many different types of characteristics that we needed that we wanted to tick. Um, like uh, had to be um, already land that had grasslands on there, that it wasn't going to be native bush that we had to to um, actually turn back to grasslands ourselves using machinery. And so during that time, we, we had put uh, an offer on somewhere in the Huon Valley and that didn't go through. And then just looking at the whole of Tasmania, um, doing a whole search, we this was uh, the farm was actually one of the last ones on our list to check and as soon as we had a look at the farm we knew subconsciously that this was the right purchase and pretty much put in an offer and it was accepted so um yeah we we we've had been studying regenerative farming um and 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 seeing uh, and and uh, following other farms in the US and in Europe. And so we had already a basis plan that we'd like to go into poultry before uh, even um, bef- um, as our first enterprises um, in the business. And as soon as we sort of um, moved in two days before lockdown, it sort of all begun with building all our own infrastructure um, and then starting the enterprises off. You might not think that fisheries and chicken farming have that much in common, but Anthony has found some crossovers as well as some major differences. I studied, my major was fisheries management, which um, at AMC has aquaculture and also marine conservation um, as main main topics and, and, and subjects that cross over. So that was really, really, um, interesting and so then looking at the regenerative side like it's really hard the ocean is extremely hard to actually there's so many stakeholders that are involved in the ocean um that you have to think of so it's um it can become quite political where in regenerative farming it ticked all boxes because like you sort of could be a manager of your own parcel of land and then um apply your management skills to it for improvement so you sort of had a bit more control over um an area which didn't have to involve so many other stakeholders to do to that type of things so um it stood out as like regenerative practices because it was you were we great we had really um, degraded land and soils when we picked up the farm um, due to just um, poor management and, and lots of overgrazing previously. Um, so this ticked the boxes we knew regardless of uh, the land that we had, that this system um, with a cow 
chicken combo uh, would actually help improve soils and bring back the perennial grasses that were needed. So, um, yeah, in a sense that, and also producing very high quality food um, uh, for, for people to enjoy. So sort of it ticked all our boxes and it's sort of everything from the university degree has rolled over then to the, the farming practices, even though it's terrestrial. Um, it's, it's, yeah. It would be a rare farming project that goes exactly according to plan. Anthony explains how Rosella Roost has panned out in its first two years. Our first sort of how, how we wanted to start was actually with the meat chickens. So we, we had our heart set on, on straight away doing broilers and, and providing pastured chicken meat to, to, to market. But we, we honestly went, well, what's better and low, lower risk is, is to do pastured eggs. So that's the bread and butter for, for being able to then scale up and to, for the profits of the eggs to then move into other enterprises later. So we, we went, all right, let's go and do um, eggs first. So, so um, the girls um, start laying. So we, we on farm, we um, actually get all the chickens in as day old. So we have a brooder here that we can, um, that can, like we can produce chicks in in winter time when outside temperatures are minus six, so I've uh, we can um, get in day olds and they've got a really nice comfortable um, comfortable temperature. Um, they don't have any drafts, and you can produce chickens. And until they're feathered, we then um, put them outside um, straight on on pasture as soon as they're feathered and as soon as the environment. Of course, we can get. Um, chickens out on on pasture much quicker in in the summertime. Regenerative farming is philosophy in action, built on cycles of activity and rest, working with animals and nature to improve the soil and in turn the produce. So what we do is that we've got um, six house cows uh, that we push through. So I've Literally, the, the fencing structures that were already here previously from the horses, I've pulled down. And then um, we strip graze our cows in, in a pattern, not in a circular motion just going around, but I do it to an observation of where the grass is growing the best because we've got uh, very differential soils on our property. It's not all the one um homogenous um, um, soils on over the whole land. So some areas of grass grow better than others and some areas you want to leave a lot longer. It doesn't, um, the grasses don't come, come back as quicker as they do. So I run the cows through first and depending on what season it is, um, I will then push our layer flock uh, behind them probably anywhere from eight to 12 days after the cows have gone through. So the cows come and knock down the grass um, first and then the chickens come through uh, uh, 10 to 12 days later. So it's an ever-going process where the cows are, are being chased down by the chooks consistently and then they scratch around. They, uh, then they're, they're the fertiliser spreader. They're the insect eaters. They, then, they eat a tonne of pasture as well and then they sort of, in their grid structure that we have, so they're in a mobile uh, chook home um, so that grid gets moved on observation so so yeah so we're just using the animals for their tools uh, to to create the grasslands again we're allowing 
um, a disturbance, you should say, in ecology. So um, where like a tree falls over in the forest, like new growth life just just goes um, uh, um comes back from its being in a, in a sort of lag scenario and allows like the, the natural seed bank to, to come through. So we're not using any synthetic inputs. We're not using any um, um, sprays or, or anything on the land. We're just allowing succession to sort of come into play after a disturbance. So, so yeah, so that's in the sense it's a cow-chook combo. It covers every single bit of the land that we're on. Uh, it's a very high impact and then uh, low intensity, so uh, so long rest period in between grazes. So the soil is improving and the chickens are happy and laying. What about collecting the eggs, checking them and getting them to market? So there's two processes going on. One is is the the the, the pullets that are that are. Um, uh, needed to be fed and moved every day and then you are uh, all broiler chickens and then you have the other process of the egg collection so we have a mobile chook house that um, is on wheels which which um, me and a friend built so that has uh, your egg laying boxes in there and all their purchasing space um, for sleeping at night time so so uh, pretty much um, egg collection you can do at once a day um, and collect your eggs. And then pretty much we have a packaging um, area that is designated for eggs, which is then eggs are graded to weight depending on their size. You Also, we're candling to see any micro cracks so in the eggs. So we discard all micro, um, micro cracks on any eggs because we want to um, – we don't want anyone to, of course, get sick um, if that egg is then left in an, um, an environment that's hot or anything else like that um, um, for them to get sick quite quick. Um, and then, yeah, then, of course, our, what our market was, because we based um, – we were both from hospitality backgrounds. Instead of going to the markets, we knew that there was a, uh, a – um, a lot of chefs can really um, showcase your to all the the made the top restaurants here in the in in the north. We said who we were, what we're doing. I showed them some drone footage of the uh, of the um, um, of our process and what the chickens were doing and moving behind cows. Also invited them out to um, the farm to with them and their chefs to show the process of what we're doing. Um, and approached um, the restaurant angle for for our eggs. So, um, pretty much, this their um, all eggs are accounted for every week. And um, yeah, of course, we could possibly scale up and double the size of our egg enterprise. But um, yeah, there's so many hours in a day uh, with time management, being a farmer, and also being a new dad. So yeah. Um, so that's where our angle is on, on um, where our eggs are sold. I've eaten Rosella Roost eggs at Grain of the Silos restaurant in Launceston. They are lovely to look at and beautiful to eat with rich yolks and a lovely pasture-fed brightness. Knowing the chickens are happy free-range birds makes the eggs taste even better. What does it mean to the farmers to have their produce in such a setting? We have to give a lot of praise to the chefs um, for showcasing our eggs because they're doing um, sort of a, a marketing thing for us since we've just 
gotten hardly any time to go out there and promote that hard for me uh, to to get the videos and everything happening on on social media platforms because it's a time it's yeah there's there's not too many extra spare hours you have and being and having a one-year-old but the the chefs are showcasing our eggs we're really proud um we just got invited to uh, meet the producers event at grains of the silos where people got to hear um and uh, the from from their dining experience, our process and and why the the we are upholding egg quality, uh, animal welfare, we're uh, rebuilding um, degraded uh, environments with the use of this management um, practices, and that was our first off farm um, experience that we we'd had in a night out in four months time. So it was it was a really proud moment, and and. Also, a really nice reflection from them, the clients, to come up and say and and just express how how good your product is. So it gives us meaning again when you're sort of slaving away out here in the process that you're doing, and also that that feel good thing that 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 you that you are and you are producing really good food. Being a small farm means production is tight, and not everyone who wants Rosella roost eggs could get them. Is that a good thing? So firstly, all our eggs are sold every week. So the number one thing is is that you, we've never had a backlog of eggs. Like eggs can can last if you've got the right um, te- um, if you if you've got the right environment and temperature. Like eggs last a long time. But we want to sell every single egg off our thing, so we've got no backlog of stock. So one a it's straight literally from picking up the egg and then going straight to market. So you've got a, you've got a freshness quality, quality aspect there. The, the egg has been laid um, to the chefs. It's been laid like literally two, three days before, before going out. So that's one thing. Also, the attention to detail for those micro cracks, um, like having, having such a high um, uh, attention to detail and then discarding just ones that you're just a bit unsure, but having that like uh, uh, um, discarded anyway, even though it might be a good egg, it means that when, because of the freshness and also that the, they're not allowing any um, um, sort of sort of oxygen transfer there, the egg will be able to poach at its best. So you've got a poaching quality there. Um the other aspect is is those chickens get access to fresh pasture every two days. So I've I've got the birds hooked on the pasture, not on the grain grain feed um, bin. So most of the eggs, of course, caged or or any other system, you do have to have a high protein diet. They're very high octane birds. They need to have um, a high protein diet to actually um, be able to lay an egg every day. So we, so with our process, like I've got them hooked on the pasture, so the birds are eager to go outside and, and demolish the ground first and then top their systems up using the grain. So our quality changes with the season, so we don't use any uh, uh, um, uh, uh, sort of organic um, um, colour colouring for the egg yolks and things like that. You get the egg how the pasture tastes. So... 
if you're going into now through the winter season, probably like the eggs are still fantastic, but come in two months' time when the grass is serious and um, all the other species that have come through since have been dormant, you're going to have a really um, nutrient-dense, high-quality tasting egg um, that's even better in, in, in over that period. So by letting the animal uh, be able to do its natural thing by eating or getting it hooked on pasture, making it forage for all the bugs and all the worms and, and sorting out all those uh, natural behaviours um, instead of just, just being able to um, have open access to a, a really good top quality um, food source in the grains that they have, like it, that's where the flavour and the quality and the nutrient dens- density comes into factor. And because they're moved so often, like they're getting access to, to new food consistently. So that's why it's much better. Like it's, it's a pastured system. Um, it's better than free range uh, because free range is from a fixed structure giving access to um, one particular area or two and then swapping it out where this is just – consistently moving around your whole property so so that um yeah the the birds have pretty much um always got new feed at their at at their fingertips rosella roost is part of a community of small farmers in the launceston region Anthony talks about the emotional and practical support they've found from their neighbours. All of Tasmania is a food um, place and lots of foodies and passionate people. Uh, look, we've met a lot of really, really good people through Sprout organisation, which are for small producers. So a lot of us have met and or are on different cohorts through the Sprout Producers Program where they give you... Um, uh, the, their, their coaching and their networking to all other amazing people that you don't wouldn't meet because a lot of good producers maybe don't even need to advertise because their product is is sold. So there's a huge food community. There's a really big and really strong community here in the north uh, in, in all different types of um, um, either vegetable growing or uh, uh, different species in animals, in cows, pigs, chickens like us, you name it. There's lots of people that are doing using natural, uh, uh, should you say, non, non-spray, non um, no chemicals um, 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 systems that are different than the norm, different from the traditional farming, and they're producing really, really top quality food. So, so the northern, northern aspect area, southern northwest, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of upcoming um, and you, and people wanting to, to uh, a lot of startups happening as well. So, so yeah, there, there is a there is a big food community here in the north. It's satisfying and rewarding to produce wonderful eggs that are beloved by those who use and eat them. But farming is tough and beset with sacrifice. Anthony explains the long game. Look, there's always pros and cons with doing this, like. We, this was sort of, you'd say, a leap of faith type thing to do, even though we'd, we had uh, uh, been following regenerative farms in, in North America and, and Europe that have this exact same system that what we're doing. Um, to get, like, 
To be able to go out there now and see where soils were really poor and that the coxfoot and the um, prairie grass is just bucketing through at the moment is 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 fantastic. Um, I guess in a sense this is really labour-intensive on, on the con side is that because I'm out there and we do an egg collection, it is every day, it's all day, every day, and this is every farmer's d- dilemma and with with animal husbandry is it is a, a non-stop event. So there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be happened for you to produce a good quality food um, and also in, in this system, in this management style structure on the farm. So to, to move the, the chickens and like do that, like as an observational thing, like we've had a lot of rain that comes through. So the, the chickens um, have scratched up the surface uh, really quickly because the worms are coming to the surface and they just want to get to them. But I don't want to, um, like even though the soil will rebuild itself, it will come back. I don't want it to heal very uh, slowly. I want that pasture to come back quicker. So I have to move them. So that's the sacrifice of going out there, moving them after dark uh, and, and of course, being at home and having to do that. So, so like, the labour intensity of it is can be quite daunting. It's a day-to-day thing, so you can say that it is a grind. Um, but then also then the positives are, like, this is what you'd say the work you're doing here is like superannuation. When you're making your ground and your soils much better, alleviating compaction, uh, uh, um, getting the microbes and the the ecology and the um, environment um, humming and for things to thrive and for it to be, um, as you say, uh, 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 like it just gets better and better. It is like superannuation, like we'd be able to every year can get better and then possibly we can add more cows. And then we could possibly add more chickens in the area because the ground then responds in two months' time. The grass is back up to knee deep. So, so like it's it's there is the pros and the cons. Labor intensity is is this one, um, but then also, uh, I guess when you receive feedback from your restaurants that your um, uh, your food your foods in high in, is in demand, like that's. That's a really high. That's a really positive um, reflection on yourself that you can say, "Well, all eggs, all eggs get sold." So it's not easy, but there is lots of satisfaction. What does Anthony love about what he does at Rosella Roost? Well, look, I am not sick of my eggs, so that's a good start. <laughs> Since we've got three hundred eggs coming out every day, uh, look, that's if you can. like you eat your food you just know it's good and it's nutrient dense like there's something subconsciously your body goes and it's also the same when you get other foods subconsciously like when you're eating it you know it's not just all it's not just water based that's pulled up from from mpk and there's no nutrient factor you actually feel um satisfied at the end of your dish and you don't need to eat more and then that's that gets you going so um yeah i'm not sick of my eggs i'll i like we'll have them poached then fried then scrambled and then uh like we had some of burgers last night with eggs on them as well from from our own cows that we've processed and that as well so like yeah it's it's that's one thing is is that we look at it and go, geez, we eat bloody well, and 
yeah, I might overindulge a bit still. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's a, it's it's one of the privileges of having your own farm and producing your own food. I'm helping the environment. I'm doing something good. Uh, I'm actually making things better. I'm producing really good food that I really love to eat. And then I'm sharing that with other people and restaurants that are showcasing it and, and then them providing them top quality food. So there, there, there's, yeah, it's, um, I guess, in the sense that you are, you sort of, you are being very successful and you are, you are doing something that's really, um, that works to your ethics and works to making better things socially, uh, environmentally, um, upholding animal welfare, uh, um, and then producing, and then in an economic sense that everyone's driven through and money makes the world go around. Um, there's a sense of, uh, of being, being, there's economic advantage of, of, of doing this process. So, so like it ticks everything like, yeah. So, um, I guess the only thing is, 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 yeah, is, is the factor is, is that probably with this process um, of of chickens that there is just a bit of a time constraint that you've got, um, you have to go out to them every day. So, unfortunately, going for a scuba dive over on the east coast for scallops or for crayfish or th- other things, sometimes that just can't happen anymore. So, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, no, this is, it's a really good process what we're doing. Anthony and Paula are improving their patch of paradise in the Launceston area, as well as feeding their community beautiful ethical eggs. It's not easy being new farmers and learning as they go, but there are tangible benefits to the life they're building. They eat well, they're making the world better, and they're part of a like-minded community that supports and validates their choices. Chickens are demanding, but Rosella Roost is ticking most of the boxes. This is The Producers. I'm Danny Vallant. The Producers in Launceston is a special series celebrating the producers and people of Northern Tasmania. These podcasts are a partnership with Agricultured, a food showcase of this beautiful and rich region, sensitive to heritage, forging a tasty future. Listen to all of the producers in Launceston podcasts on the Deep in the Weeds podcast network.